Welcome to the newly revamped WealthStack podcast. I'm your host, Shannon Rossick, the director of WealthStack Content and Solutions. And what better way to kick off 2023 than with the man that has had his fingers on the pulse of wealth tech landscape for years. If he's not writing killer articles, you can usually find him in a kayak and yes, year round in the Hudson or East River in New York. So Davis Janowski, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, Shannon. I'm uh, I'm honored to be here. <laughs> so lucky for me and our listeners, you get to be the first victim, well, guest uh, that gets to participate in this new podcast format. So I'll be breaking it down into various segments with segment number one being called Stats All, folks. So we obviously work in an industry full of numbers, stats, deviations, variations. So let's put it all into context. Um, we recently released the 2022 Wellstack study in December, and it is chock full of data points that I want to unpack. And since we're discussing 2023 trends in this podcast, I want to get your thoughts on the number 57%. Other than being a composite number, it was actually the percentage of firms that replied to their top business objective in 2023 is adding new clients. And so what are your thoughts on how they can ultimately achieve that? And what do you think of that 57%? Gosh, you know, it, it's first, it's kind of funny that not, it's not higher than that to me, but uh, I guess some, some advisors are, are satisfied with what they've got. Maybe want to get more in the way of, uh, you know, doing financial planning, getting the holistic all around assets. But um, when it comes to getting clients themselves, gosh, I've been bitten so many times over the last 15 years by lead gen and uh, prospecting tools, uh, whatever you want to call them. They, they all come down to prospecting and lead gen. And even a lot of the marketing now. So I don't know, a combination, the only the only tried and true method I've seen to building your client base is um at least at least for steadily adding clients is um having business development folks. So right off the bat, I think you have small advisors that are that are gonna struggle a little bit more, mainly because they don't have those folks that are gonna have to to use more of their time in doing prospecting. But there are a lot of technology offerings, I think, um, out there now that there weren't even just a few years ago in terms of just scoping out clients. You know, a lot of advisors are now spending money on an advertising and spending money with Smart Asset or Zoe, for example, to get raw prospects and leads into the, in their pipeline anyway. Um, honestly, the most successful advisors I've talked to have been slightly larger, usually mid-sized to large firms that have a business development person and or some staffers under them who can really take, you know, those warm, even hot leads and do outreach. If you're a solo advisor, it's an awful lot of work to do that. Uh, there are a few new technologies out there that I, I think can help in addition to say the smart assets and Zoe's in terms of taking those warm leads, making them hot in more of an automated fashion. And also just doing prospecting. Two, two examples that I've written about over the last six months, year, one fairly recently and one a little further back is, is a identified and that's a plus identified and then catch catch light is out of fidelity labs and it considers itself sort of a let me see if i can remember the exact phrase they use sort of a, a um a prospecting analytics engine basically so you, you've collected some warm leads some names some people that may tangentially or specifically have a few characteristics that match up with something you do or you offer take those names, you put it in the catch light, catch light, and also AI identified both use a lot of their public data and 
data sets, but they're being used by other sorts of companies to put all that into a big data lake. And these two applications can go in and cut and mesh, say everything from so pulling hobbies off of social media to their investment likes, dislikes to, you know, what they do for a living. I identified, for instance, creates a, a both a household profile and uh, a professional profile for a couple hundred million people each that you can tap into. Catchlight does similar things, building profiles. But the idea is that, that the machine, and it's using machine learning to match up all these disparate data sets from different places, whether it's holdings, whether it's uh, job promotions, whether it's that they own stock in the company they are in, pulling all this, bringing that data together, then providing you the ability to do outreach to those leads. And if they're, if they're already prospects, you've already met with them, come up with topics, touch points to go back to them with. And this is all done on an automated fashion. So instead of your your client service people and the firm itself having to do all this manually, or you as the advisor having to do this manually, you pay these guys to do it. Those are two really promising sorts of uh, applications I see that are going to help both small, but probably the larger ones that can can afford to, to bring in all this new technology, test it out, see where it will go. Um, and maybe it will come down to be cheaper and easier to use for uh, for smaller advisors and, and, and hopefully sooner rather than later. And it seems like we're seeing, starting to see AI mature a bit more in our space as well, just moving beyond kind of the basic chat box functions and spitting back kind of generic responses and things like that. So it is encouraging to see that we've seen the headlines of big data, big data, but how do you make it actionable? So it is encouraging to see that firms like this are are trying to be at the forefront of it and make it much more actionable for advisors. Yeah, and it's being like embedded in stuff as opposed to, you know, the first big First two big examples were um, IBM and, and its uh, engine that had uh, Watson that had, you know won at chess. And when you when you would do an installation of that, you needed all these different analytics packages. You need people to t- to train it, yada yada yada. Or Einstein at Salesforce, which needed other things as well. Now now, sort of finite pieces of machine learning and natural language processing are being embedded into technologies. So. Advisors don't have to you know, have these really huge investments in the technology or firms or providers to advisors. So, yeah, it's becoming increasingly common that this is going to be embedded in stuff and you're not going to really have to even know really how it works to use it. That and to the, me is very promising. Absolutely. And there's this consensus across the industry that tech will really obviously be a major driver of business success over the next say five years with nearly three and four around 74% from our study saying that technology will be critically or very, very important. And so want your thoughts there, agree, disagree somewhere in the middle. No, I, I agree. I think it's actually, you know, I think success as an advisor is going to be a hundred percent reliant on technology because frankly, everything an advisor does now is around technology. When I first started, advisors were worried about having to, you know, archive email and even exchange email with their, with their clients. Cause you know, good grief, everything I've done to date has been on the phone. Um, so every little step in the last 15 years has just added layers and layers and layers and layers of technology such that everything they do is dependent on some piece of technology in there. So I completely agree there, you know, everything from onboarding where all sorts of providers from custodians, third parties, you know, they've integrated with 
onboarding solutions that that are trying to do this in a totally digital fashion. So everything from onboarding to building the portfolios to to the uh, trading, rebalancing, even things like tax loss harvesting, a lot of the added technologies of direct indexing and personal personal portfolio planning, all of it is incumbent on technology these days. So yeah, it's it's a huge area. And what about when it comes to kind of those larger RIA firms? Where do you see the the business improvements there? Well, one thing that I, I was heartened by and kind of excited about at the end of last year was both, um, I guess the first announcement came from Orion and then Investnet piggybacked on that, um, made a similar announcement. Uh, Orion uses um, Amazon Wealth Services, web service, Amazon Web Services to host a lot of its data. They have figured out a way for their own firms. And this was covered in their annual, used to be the Summit Focus, but now it's the Summit Innovation or Use Innovation Summit. This year, they invited some of their top firms and taught them how to use Amazon's own tool called Redshift to be able to go in, uh, first take in all their data, a, a copy of all their data, store it in Amazon, and then learn how to use Redshift to do their own business intelligence. And so that's been a huge issue for a lot of firms for about the last five or six years. I've had many advisors asking me, well, where can I get sort of a, a discrete business intelligence application? So I'm not just collecting all this data and put it in a spreadsheet and, and analyzing. And, you know, for the roll-ups, this is even bigger because they have multiple offices, they have multiple advisors. They want to be able to compare and contrast what all, all those advisors are doing, who's doing best, who's got the most clients, who's got the most revenue. And then you want to compare yourself to other firms. And so, this holds a lot of promise from Orion with Redshift. And then on the investment side, they did a similar integration partnership with Snowflake, which is another big in, in a, analytics engine that's going to allow firms to come in and take their own data and slice and dice it, look at it nine ways to Sunday and be able to do comparisons. Orion, for its part, though, too, already has several applications that they either built in-house years ago or acquired that do varying things, look at different slices and analyze things in different ways that they're going to consolidate and combine over time. For now, though, the sort of DIY solution to the business intelligence is going to be able for, for larger firms to, to leverage things like Redshift. So I think that's exciting, too, because it, it's really going to be able to provide advisors insights into their own business in a way that they probably haven't had before and, and be able to plan based on that instead of just guesses. So that wraps up our stats all folks segment. So now I want to really dive into the meat of the conversation because we promised folks a 2023 wealth tech outlook. So I did come with some loaded questions. So fair warning here, <laughs> but with the market still kind of going sideways and we're experiencing volatility, advisors obviously need to be more productive than ever this year. Where are you seeing some of the greatest opportunities for wealth tech providers right now? Well, that's that's actually a pretty broad question. Um, <laughs> I, I warned you. <laughs> yeah. Well, specifically, the, the low-hanging fruit here, it's making improvements in automation and efficiency in the advisor's firm, their day-to-day -day operations. Um, several examples I've, I've covered over the last few months would be Hubley. I'm sorry if I didn't pronounce it where I can remember if it's Hubley or Hubley. Hubley, Cognicore, Bento Engine, Nudge with a K, Benjamin, uh, most of these work with CRMs. CRMs for a lot of firms of most any size, sort of still the central hub around which most of the advisors, other technology is going to 
going to work and integrate with. And the two big players right now in terms of being able to integrate with all of these uh, is Redtail and Wealthbox. And I think you're going to see, I think most of the providers I've mentioned have talked about wanting to integrate with Salesforce as well and Dynamics, which is going to cover an awful lot of the very big RAA firms in particular and being able to do that. Um, and really, it's it's automation of processes, process management, workflow management, document management, doing all these things in, in a way that um, you have new advisors start. This is going to handle telling them what the workflow should be and that they do the, the steps in the right way. And also just trigger things automatically so the advisor doesn't necessarily have to have a you know, a crib sheet on their desk with every little thing that they need to do when they onboard a client. It's going to be built into the technology. So that's <clears throat> that's something that's gotten me excited is the the profusion of new offerings that kind of come in and you're not relying now on the CRM to do everything for you. And in fact, some of these providers provide really pleasing, visually pleasing, customizable interfaces that allow you to maybe organize the way you see the stuff uh, easy, more easily too. So that's that's something that's got me kind of excited right now. And I know this is something you and I have talked about kind of on the side, and it's a relatively newer concept. And for lack of better terms, I'm really fascinated around this idea of cradle to grave financial planning. We're seeing a shift to focus on really the decumulation phase of planning, but what does that ultimately mean for these technology players in that space? Is there anyone interesting that you're watching? Because it seems like RAs are going to have to start adjusting their whole business plans to ultimately accommodate this. There, there are several providers. Part of me worries that they might get gobbled up, but in a way, if it's a big player like an Investnet or even an Orion or some other third parties or custodians, maybe this will make its way out to more advisors that way. But there are several pioneers in the space. And really what we're talking about is longevity planning, because as much as we all you know, want to complain about the healthcare system, health science has gotten to the point where most of us are living longer. And unfortunately, our, our pocketbooks aren't necessarily going to keep up with that on their own. So we've got to do planning such that you have enough assets. Um, and really, most of the advisors out there now, probably probably the majority, right at the edge of the majority, are still working with clients who are in the accumulation phase. You know, they're still working, they're, they're saving, they're, they're building up assets, building up portfolios. But when you retire, you're going to want that same, you're going to want a paycheck. And hopefully it's something close to what you have now. Um, and you need a way to wind down all those assets you've been accumulating over all these years. Well, the major players like the e-moneys, the e-money guide pros, even the Nava plans, they're not really built for the decumulation phase. I'm sure they're all at work building something really dedicated to doing that. But they're not really at a, a stage where a few pioneers are in terms of that's their their only focus. The one that um, I have spent a good bit of time with is Income Conductor, which works typically works with RAAs to do just this. It it leaves off where accumulation ends, and then basically it helps an advisor work with and collaborate with the client to figure out what their retirement income paycheck is going to look like. Where is it going to come from? How to how to how to select when you're going to take Social Security, you and your spouse, so you're married. What order do you take it in? When do you actually retire? Um, and then what? How do you ladder all of your assets so that you have enough based on how long you think you're going to live? They even built in uh, integrated health data uh, from a provider into this, so that they know if you're you're a white male, 
such and such age, heart condition, or you smoke for a certain amount of time, they have a pretty good sense based on actuarial data, how long you're going to live. So you can, as morbid as it may sound, you're going to come up with a probably fairly reliable estimate on how long those assets are going to need to, to last and come up with a plan for that. Uh, another provider in that space, which works more mostly with independent broker dealers is uh, income discovery. You know, the names are similar, but they're, they're different companies. Um, they do similar things. They each have their own way of working, but you know, an IBD would take that and put it out to all its advisors and it does sort of same thing. It's going to be working with clients to come up with that plan for you. And there's, you know, there's others. There's one, you know, one I haven't really taken a look at, which is um, Income Solver from Retiree Inc. There are other approaches and there are there are some of the, the more frontline accumulation type providers, right? Capital is one that's starting to really look at this. There are a couple of big insurance providers that have retirement income tools. So there's, there's some work going on across the industry. It's just not to the level that I think. And in fact, I've talked to some advisors who frankly want to switch because it's even more, they feel a fiduciary practice for them. And a, a couple of them have found that there's such a dearth of advisors who are specialists in, in decumulation phase that they're going to go. And then there's other aspects to this. You know, big broker dealers and probably big RA firms are going to want to kind of come up with their own solution. And so recently, uh, Alex Mergia and uh, Wade Fowle, bo both have been in the industry for a long time, came up with this thing called the RASA framework. Um, that's short for retirement income style awareness, mouthful. But basically, it's it's taking a, a several different factors, uh, probability versus safety, which is sort of where are all your sources of income that you're going to be reliant on. They're reliant on in turn market returns optionality, I mean, flexible flexibility to respond to economic developments or changing personal situations versus commitment being dedicated to one retirement income solution. Taking all those factors, coming up with a plan on your own based on that, based on the products that you have available, if it's say being put out by a broker dealer, et cetera. So there's a lot of different avenues this is coming at, but it, it to me, there needs to be a critical mass of advisors that are becoming specialists at this and firms maybe having an advisor who and the firm who's a specialist in the accumulation phase. So, Absolutely. And I yeah. I laugh because randomly my husband and I were looking at our retirement account today, which I know is a big no-no right now, but I was like, oh, good. We can retire for about three weeks at this rate. So we're doing yeah. great. Yeah. <laughs> I know. And it's there's a whole lot of things that advisors simply don't talk about, even in their clients approaching it, like um, long-term care insurance, which is hugely expensive and can put a huge dent in, in the, 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 the managed assets that are advised available to advisors for them to charge fees on now, you don't want to admit it but it's still part of the, the business to be able to charge your fees and be able to do that and so it, it it's something that everyone's gonna have to wrestle with and the industry as a whole i don't think has really confronted that reality just yet i would agree so i have one more loaded question for you before we move on to our next segment are there any other interesting firms or wealth tech concepts that we should all be keeping our eye on throughout the rest of this year yeah there are i see a lot of things you know one thing that that we the the sec ad rule change is going to make it possible for our advisors to have a lot in the way of uh um, ratings and reviews, things that might have been considered endorsements, which you know were verboten in the past. And I'm starting to see providers that are ready to step in and provide that for them. Um, 
one that's really sort of already out there and, and kind of building a name. They've been at a few of the conferences now. It's IndyFen, and it's sort of a they provide a, a place basically for that's kind of like an online directory in a way where every advisor has their own page and there's a review and there's a rating and it's a very interesting offering. Um, and then there's one I more recently and, and still haven't finished writing a story about, which is called Amplify Reviews. And the, the gentleman behind this um, came out of building a technology for doctors starting back in 2014, because similar to um, advisors, doctors had a big hesitancy in having reviews or, or uh, ratings of themselves on their site too. And basically what they found was that it was a it was a plus for advisors to do that that most people were pretty thoughtful and they weren't going to be full of bad reviews and you know once the the idea of it had been accepted they they came up with a way to actually do it to to have a platform to be able to support it put them on there and and offload that from the physician well they're now applying that to advisors it's called um, amplify uh, reviews um, and there are a couple firms that now have them up and looks good there's a few things about about like how long you keep a review up um you know making sure that clients understand uh that they you know good reviews and bad will be up there and make sure advisors understand that that's the case um they can always address it you know and and eventually you know maybe get a better review but anyway the idea that that's going to be something that drives uh prospecting and helps with lead gen as well. And, and, the, and the frame of reference I was given is that, you know, okay, you've got two um, websites and, and that's how you've, you, you're, you're not being sent to an advisor because of a referral. You're, you're visiting the websites. One website has lots of positive reviews. The other website's got nothing. Which one are you going to choose? And it's, it's interesting because I think eventually the, knowing the way advisors think everybody's going to want these reviews and everyone's going to have them up. So, the idea is to find, you know, reliable source of a platform that's going to provide these for you. And we'll see. We'll see if it works or not. But I think we're going to start to see that. Um, another thing that's interesting to me, and it kind of is similar to this whole discussion of decumulation phase, is just advisors are going to think be ever more plugged into their clients' lives. Um, just like we're going to have a lot more uh, of the population in retirement soon doing you know, in need of decumulation planning uh, and that people are living longer, that opens the door to, you know, things like dementia and making mistakes. And as people get older, they're not quite as sharp as they used to be and falling victim to things like elder fraud. Uh, everybody has a computer now, even older folks. A lot of people are paying bills that way. So it all it becomes all the easier to be preyed upon by, you know, evildoers and criminals. So one thing I saw last year that was interesting to me is, is a platform called careful um, with two L's at the end. And the idea is that you create a circle of care around someone and, and it could be either, you know, a child or say the advisor is the quarterback that suggests this application. And then there will probably end up being competitors to it. But, but the idea is you, it, it's similar to account aggregation that most all advisors are, are familiar with. Careful would take in a secure fashion the credentials for their financial, all their financial accounts and things. They would not have access to those. The advisors would not have access to the credentials. The third party, Careful, has it. But once it's all set up, a, a certain number of people, probably children, maybe the advisor, a handful of other people can see 
transactions that go across there. And if, if one sees where, oh, mom paid a bill twice, ah, okay, we can go fix that. Or if mom just sent $50,000 to somebody I've never heard of, you can look into it. Um, and that's something that's interesting. And it's it's uh, nationwide. It's had a partnership with Careful last year. And then recently, um, Satera partnered with them to at least make add them to their um their list of of qualified providers of services so that you know they don't you don't have to vet it yourself that that Satera vetted it for for their advisors is useful. And and that honestly, it makes so much sense at this point too to be able to see your holistic financial plan and life and embedded with healthcare as well. Like that to me just makes so much sense. So I am very excited to see kind of where that industry and, and segment goes and as things become more embedded. And this is why I love talking to you. See, learn something new every time. <laughs> um, so I, I appreciate your insights on that. And I want to move on to segment two of the episode, another new segment called Ask Me Anything. Uh, if you can't tell at this point, I love a good pun and alliteration. So uh, we've gone out to the social universe and asked them to submit questions that they want answered by you and they have actually delivered. So first question we got was around advice engagement. There is a whole new category found on the Kitsis uh, popular fintech placemat, if you will. Um, part planning, part practice management, somewhat consumer facing facilitation platforms. Any forecasts on how these texts are being adopted, integrated, um, or ultimately impacting their users? Well, there's certainly a lot of talk about them. You know, I can only base my opinions on what advisors tell me and and what I see when I get demos and ask questions and pry sort of details out of the providers themselves about the underlying technologies and and how many firms have adopted them. And that's ultimately the the answer to that. And and very few firms will actually share that. You know, how many people are using it yet? Um, one that I has gotten a lot of buzz of late has been Bento Engine which helps advisors by uh, by not only providing lots of potential touch points for advisors to speak to clients or send them content proactively um, ahead of time, the right moment. Uh, it, it uses some machine learning, some predictive analysis, and they have created all these, they, they've come up with lists that they keep expanding of, you know, the simplest would be like getting in touch on a birthday or the birth of a child uh, on up to a few dozen of these where, the technology can go and proactively do this on your behalf. They're coming up with a whole content repository that is related content to each of those that you can send out that would be customized to you and your brand and provide you a way to, you know, offload some of what used to be very manual um, content generation and or outreach and make it, you know, not just, personal, but that it could be uh, useful to the client. And uh, that that's something that I think is probably going to get a lot of uptake. Um, and there are a few other providers of that. Um, we, you know, I named a few, few of them before, you know, nudge is another one with a K that I uh, have found out recently. It's, it's, I think it launched in 2020, you know, it's gotten increasingly sophisticated and, just like the word nudge, though without the K, you're you're nudging your clients to do things. And so the example is is kind of the easiest one is to think about is you come in and you as a client, you meet with the advisor, um, okay, handshake, you are are ready to go on with the relationship. Okay, 
I need X, Y, Z, you know, list of 10 things, let's say. Everybody's gung-ho about those first couple, but then people, you know, their attention wanes and they get back to life. You have the advisor then have to go back and remind them or, or you have to sick your client services person on them in the past. And so with Nudge, the idea is when you have that initial meeting or when you sign up for it, you say, hey, um, I'm going to use this new application that, that helps me keep track of things that we agreed we're going to do. Uh, you'll probably get emails from them, but it'll be, you know, really for me. I'll have my name on it and all that. And uh, it'll just help us uh, make progress. So that by the time we have our next meeting or our next uh, milestone, you'll have done these things. I'll have done these things and we'll, we'll know where each other stand. And uh, that I think is something else that's interesting and, and could, you know, in a, for a very small advisor, it could take off a lot, awful lot of manual phone calls and communication away from them having to do that on off, often and also allow, you know, if you do have client service folks, allow them to do other things. Um, that is sort of the promise I see of technology and these things being also, I hate to say it, but, you know, acquired and, and built into other platforms so that maybe they're offered to an even larger set of, of advisors. But those are some of the things and examples I see coming in that vein that I anticipate getting a lot of uptake from uptake from advisors. Oh, absolutely. I, I agree. I think this this whole category is poised for growth because at the end of the day, it's solutions and tools that are just helping advisors scale their human advice. And maybe I'm using the word irony uh, incorrectly here, but I do think it's interesting that, you know, human advisors serve human clients and utilizing technology to, to be able to do that. But it, these advice engagement platforms are trying to bring back that, that human element in a sense, at least how I've kind of been reading into it, you know, with asset map and bento engines and, and firms like that, you know, they're really focusing on our people getting the outcomes that they need. And they're taking kind of, you know, those big data concepts and research and making that information more relatable and understandable and actually even more enjoyable to an extent through gamification, through charts, you know, whatever it may be. So, you know, we're seeing advisors really trying to focus and it goes back to that theme of productivity that we mentioned at the beginning uh, of this episode, but, you know, where can they add value just beyond on investments? Because that's really what it's been, right? So how do you deepen that relationship? So I, I do think this this category is really interesting and I'm excited to see, see where it goes. Um, we had one more question come in and to, to totally pivot <laughs> concepts here, we actually had one user ask um, a question around fractional trading. Um, do advisor and custodial technologies plan to offer fractional trading in 2023? What are you seeing here? <laughs> well, this is an interesting uh, question because it's, you know, it's already here. Um, Fidelity rolled out a couple of years ago, uh, as has Schwab. Um the, you know, the pioneer, the, fir the first one to really do it in a way that could be turned into sort of a, a, an automated technology offering was Finfolio, which used to be its own independent custodian and got acquired by Goldman Sachs a few years ago. They've been working to, to provide that to however many advisors they've engaged in their RAA side, whether we, we, we all um, don't really know what's going to happen with Goldman Sachs and that, but that's certainly embedded in there. Uh, let's see who else. Apex offers it. Uh, interactive bro brokers has fractional share trading. So there's a lot of it uh, out there. The real question, I think, and what I 
talk to advisors about is client demand. And, and, you know, this goes for uh, personalized indexing, direct indexing, um, and all the acquisitions that go around it. You know, you hear a lot of buzz about that. Um, and it even came up during our annual tech roundtable a few months ago. And we posed the question to a room full of you know, technology providers and execs. And most said it was still not being asked for by clients, um, that the clients didn't understand it. And even a lot of advisors don't fully understand it. And, you know, that stands to reason, too, because, you know, there's not really a universally understood definition of what direct indexing is or how it should be implemented or or built or applied. Um so you actually have several different forms of it out there. And it's not not confusing to me to understand that, you know, it's not univer- being universally asked for by clients because no one really has a great explanation for it or you see a lot of demand. Um, but I think ultimately you're going to see it sort of in the back end as an available feature at, at every, you know, all the custodians, all the providers that, um, you know, need to do portfolio management are going to have to come to grips with it. Absolutely. Well, Davis, I appreciate you being put on the spot (laughs) with these questions and your insightful answers. And we've actually come to our final segment and what soon might become my favorite one. We're going to need to talk to Mark Bruno about getting t-shirts for this, but I'm calling it stack it or whack it. So in this segment, I'm going to throw out a few technologies, not necessarily wealth tech related. And you tell me uh, if this technology uh, should be embraced (laughs) by society. (laughs) So essentially, you know, stack it, aka you Use it or whack it, aka lose it. So right. <laughs> first one I have is sweat-powered technology. Obviously, <laughs> you being an avid kayaker, uh, tour guide, you know, uh, what if your sweat could power, say, your smartwatch? You know, I was reading a study recently that scientists at the University of Glasgow have been working on a flexible type of super capacitor, basically, that uses sweat to power devices. So the material absorbs your sweat and then uses those positive and negative ions to generate energy. What are your thoughts? Wow. Well, <laughs> I, I would wonder first, what do they do about the smell? Have they come up with an answer for that? Um, and gosh, stack it for sure. Definitely stack it. I, <laughs> I sweat a lot. Um, uh, yeah. And even in, even winter, uh, when I kayak, you know, here in New York and anywhere further North, you got to wear what's called a dry suit. And that, you know, if you go into the water, the water's close to freezing, you're going to, you know, die and not, not very, too, too long. So you got to wear that, but they don't always, they don't always um, breathe very well. It's not like Gore-Tex nope. necessarily. And so they become sweat boxes. So yeah, I could, I could really use all that extra power uh, generated from the sweat. No question. Definite stack it. <laughs> Love it. Uh, well, hopefully we'll see you out there then on the Hudson <laughs> generating well, I, some sweat power. Yeah. If I, if I get access, I'll definitely let you know how it uh, works out. Love it. Um, all right. Second technology. And we alluded to this a little bit earlier when we were talking about AI and machine learning, um, but chatbots and wealth management, you know, will chatbots be a way that robo advisors effectively and cheaply stay in touch with clients and personalize their profiles and asset allocations uh, you know, will we see brokers adapt chatbots as um, the best way to enhance customer engagement, um, you know, between machine learning and artificial intelligence? You know, I've, I've been seeing, I know chatbots have been around for a while. Some are good. Some are still pretty rudimentary. What are your thoughts here? Stack it or whack it? Definitely stack it. I mean, it's already, it's here. It's like you said, you, you've got 
rudimentary chatbots just about any retail space you go to. And I think it's it's going to become increasingly important at all the big institutions. It's just there's you don't want to have to throw bodies at every sort of um, client uh, handholding you need to do. And there's an awful lot of repeatable processes, repeatable, you know, common forms, common um common tasks that need to be done. And so, yeah, the chatbots are something that, you know, can easily handle that once they're properly trained, once they can, once uh, natural language processing engines are at a stage where they can recognize what you're talking about when four different people describe, you know, changing a beneficiary in slightly, four different slightly ways. Uh, yeah, it's going to be great technology. There's already a player in this space called Cognicore that, um, we wrote about its its founder, uh, Sentu Joseph, um, who's got a PhD in machine learning and, and artificial intelligence, who has a company that's doing that right now. Um, a big one billion plus firm, RA firm, has already taken their Cognicore's technology and is trying to use it in their own practice. And it's really just like this well, the example we threw out there. But let's say you call in and want to change uh, beneficiary, you need a beneficiary change form. You know, you, you ask that on the chat. So rather than have to actually talk to a client service rep at the firm or at the custodian, they can, you know, send you the URL directly to that form. So that's one super simple example, but lots of different processes, you know, whether client or, or even like the advisor calling into the custodian for this or that. There's an awful lot of, you know, really repeatable processes that can be offloaded to technology and chatbots are a great way to do that. And they're, they're getting smarter and smarter. Um, yeah. A lot of them are still kind of hinky and don't always come up with the answer you want. But the, the thing about uh, AI these days is they just keep running away at, at refining how they're going to answer what the answer should be. And yeah, no, that's definitely a stack and it's going to, it's here to stay. And I think you're going to see it continue to go downstream to, to help advisors of all sizes, not just the really big firms or the big institutions. Well, I appreciate you indulging me in, <laughs> in the madness today and all my various segments. So it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you and getting your 2023 wealth tech outlook and perspective. So Davis, thank you again. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Shannon. Good luck oh. with it. <laughs> Thank you. And, and of course, at the end of the year, we'll have to do a wrap up and uh, come back to all these topics. Absolutely. <laughs> see if any of our predictions Absolutely. came true. So yeah. um, listeners, if you'd like to learn more, be sure to check out all of Davis's articles on wealthmanagement.com. Uh, he has a lot planned for this year. And if you'd like to learn more about Wealthstack, uh, our conference is coming up on May 21st in Hollywood, Florida. So visit wealthmanagement.com backslash Wellstack and be sure to follow us on social media. Thank you all and have a great day. Mm -hmm.